Hey guys, what's up? We are back at it again with episode number five. Back at it again is definitely your catchphrase, I think. I don't know. I feel like that's a read. I feel like there's nothing wrong with back at it again. No, like there's nothing wrong. It's just everywhere. I want a catchphrase. Like I'll have to formulate one. Just like, you know, decide. Interesting. I would not have chosen that one for me. I would have chosen, hmm. Like, you know, when you're watching Friends and kind of everyone has their own thing. There's like, Joey's with how you doing and oh my god never do that again oh my god stop i was doing my joey impression anyway and then monica is like i know i feel like my one of them is stop i'm always like stop it's like my reaction to things yeah you do do that actually like that's a cute little catchphrase i know i like stop i feel yeah, like- stop, stop is fine it'll it'll do yeah i think i say i mean a lot i'm like i mean you always say I mean and it can usually be very funny but there's times when you say it when like we're arguing and it is so frustrating yeah I I can just inflect it with so many different emotions that's why I like it so much I'm like which one will I choose now it's perfect exactly so I mean is yours stop is ours no ours mine who what okay right I think let's get on with the episode shall we (laughs) moving on so I guess we're going to get a little bit political this week, Laura McDonough. I think it's time, Al. We know I'm not a political brain. I have been trying now in my old age to get more educated on kind of world politics and stuff like that. I've definitely done it since leaving college. Well, I've tried. I'm not saying I've succeeded. But you are definitely the more politically motivated out of the two of us. Okay, so I don't know about that. I think I've definitely learned to see here's it's a strange thing with me is that i'm way more interested in american politics than i would be in like irish politics and that has always stemmed for me at least and that like realistically like the global impact of our politics has i don't know i think american politics has more of an immediate effect on the world as a whole obviously um the whole brexit thing and you know the hard soft border is going to be a huge deal globally and internationally but other than that like most of our politics remains fairly domestic so i was i guess yeah no i guess i am quite politically minded i mean the 2016 election really ignited a fire underneath me i was interested in the 2012 election um as well but 2016 i was i was obsessed it was kind of scary like I think it was easy to kind of get so wrapped up in the bubble of it because it was such a production in terms of like it wasn't it didn't feel such a political year as far as the election went because obviously everyone knew who Hillary was anyway because of the fact that you know she's been around for years because of Bill being in office and everything and then the fact that she was the first woman that had gotten as far as she did in terms of running for president and then the fact that Trump was involved like this media personality it's just kind of, it was just such a, such like a comedy sketch that I think that's why it was so easy for people to get so engrossed in it because it was, it was really the kind of first of its kind as far as the elections went for the American election anyway. Yeah, totally agree. And it turned out to be a bit of a circus, didn't it really? It was like, you know, it was everywhere. I can't remember SNL ever doing as many sketches featuring political characters before. And so every week, there was like a Hillary and Trump sketch and they remained funny throughout. So that's quite a good indication of how present and how dominating a topic it was in 2016. 
So we are, of course, you know, going to have to acknowledge the fact that Donald Trump did win that election. But ever since that win, it's kind of been shrouded in this ambiguity and, you know, there's this Russian hacking, all these allegations and all this sort of unknown element to whether he won. And obviously he wins via the Electoral College, which I don't know whether... Yes, I will just quickly explain that. So basically the Electoral College works in a way where we're a state, we all vote. So say we all vote for Trump, unfortunately. You know, what were we thinking? Blah, blah, blah. We vote for Trump and then we have electorates and they go and place their vote. So it's actually their votes that count. So they go and they vote on behalf of us in this electoral college for Trump and that's who he gets elected. So you have cases of like they're actually they're called like disloyal electorates which means is when someone who is an electorate goes against what his constituents have voted for so if say for example we vote for Trump if I'm being a disloyal and a dishonest electorate I go in and regardless of what what the vote was I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton in that case in that 2016 election interestingly enough this did happen like in numerous times in the 2016 election, but it actually happened the other way around. People who were involved in states and constituencies who voted for Hillary went and voted for Trump instead, which is really surprising. But, you know, America continues to fuck itself. So we're not surprised at that. So that's the Electoral College. So that was one element. And then the other element was, of course, this Russian hacking, this Russian um, dissemination of kind of leaked democratic documents and democratic kind of basically like smear campaigns and like fake ads and fake news and all this stuff that swirled around during 2016 and frankly i don't think it's really stopped since then so we're talking about this because of course on friday robert Mueller, who was in charge of the investigation into russian alleged hacking and russian influence on the 2016 election and also trump's part to play in that released his report to Rod Rodenstein and Barr. Barr is the Attorney General. He's the main man. So then what happens is these two men summarise this two-year-long investigation by Robert Mueller into a four-page document and release that to the press in which basically Robert Mueller... Well, actually, what actually happens is Barr says that Mueller does not find President Trump or any member of his campaign guilty of conspiracy with Russia and um, collusion is the word that they often use and that's I'm sure everyone has heard of the word collusion in the last two years that's what that means i.e did Trump collude with Russia i.e Putin to rig that election and Barr the Attorney General reads Mueller's investigation which is like thousands of pages long presumably and summarizes it in four pages and t- says no he didn't Now, that just, to me, seems shocking. So for anyone who's kind of wondering why Alex took the reins on it, it's because he's much more educated in this than I am. So in my reading of this for this topic, because realistically, on a daily basis, I wouldn't keep up with this kind of stuff. I should do. I'm an adult. I should be staying aware of especially like such major political leaders and anything that's going to be in terms of like them being indicted into anything or just any investigations. I should stay aware. So I I brushed up for this, but I wouldn't usually. And when I read the fact that they did not find evidence of conspiracy between Moscow and Trump, or Moscow, apologies, however you want to pronounce it, from the 2016 election, I was shook. Because even a layman 
can identify that there had to have been some form of collusion. Like, it doesn't seem possible for there not to have been. Yeah, we'll touch on that maybe a little bit later in the discussion. I feel like we've been, since 2016, searching for a kind of explanation to the fact that Trump won. And I think a lot of people had put a lot of hope into this investigation that, you know, this was going to come back as collusion and that well, that was it. Now, the Russians did interfere in the election with, like I said earlier, the fake news and all those Facebook accounts and this kind of the hacking of the DNC, the uh, Democratic National Convention, which is kind of like, I guess it's kind of like the party head. So I guess if you ha- hack like Fianna Fáil headquarters or something, that's kind of what the idea is. So that happened, but the collusion isn't there. So it's not at the behest of Trump or any of his cronies. Now, having said that, there were a huge number of his members of his campaign indicted and charged with felonies and are going to jail. So there are elements that guilt is kind of being pointed out. But Donald Trump himself isn't found guilty of collusion. Frankly, he's probably too fucking stupid to do it. Yeah, that is probably realistic. And I'd say whoever his right-hand man at the time was, was probably smart enough to kind of be like, look, you just turn your back to this because they won't be able to pin it to you then in the future. And we're going to do things that we're, and we're not going to tell you what yes, we're exactly. going to do. Sorry, you cut out. I mean, I thought you'd stop talking again. No, that's okay. I feel like we're going good though, right? You know, that went well. Um, I will just go back to saying like, oh, I'll go back to like the, his main man bit. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go with that again. Okay, go then. Yeah, definitely. I think that could definitely be the case. But, you know, there are other things that we need to unpack with this whole event. So basically, even though the official ruling is that he is not guilty, there's still this distrust amongst Democrats and then this kind of, obviously, like, huge celebration on the behalf of the Republicans because in the report, Mueller literally says... This investigation cannot and does not, this is a quote now, does not exonerate President Trump. So he makes it very clear that it does not exonerate Trump. This quote is then taken from the report and used by Barr and Rodenstein in their four-page summary. Sorry, I know, I'm, I'm, I feel like this is very dense, but like it will, I feel like if we can just wrap our heads around it a little bit, it's complicated and it's like a stress, but it's really important that we talk about it. And I also, I think, you know, this isn't probably where the story ends. So just to reiterate, the man who's in charge of trying to figure out whether he's guilty or not guilty uses the phrase, this does not exonerate President Trump. The people who have been placed in charge of the Department of Justice who have been appointed by Trump then summarise this and declare that there is no point in pressing charges against Trump because the report doesn't have any proof in it. So it's this kind of weird like ladder I guess and that like you have Mueller at the bottom who then has to give his findings to the Department of Justice who then have to in theory if they want to prosecute give that so basically with that single sentence this does not exonerate you this story cannot be laid to rest so you basically have the two sides so you have Republicans obviously who are team Trump and then Democrats who are team anyone else so the Republicans are overjoyed you know, even though the quote from Mueller, I does not exonerate, is included in the bar summary, they also 
declare him innocent. So there's a contradiction there. The Republicans are hearing the innocent bit and the Democrats are focusing on those not exonerate bit. And while the Democrats are obsessing over that result, the Republicans are trying to just put this to rest and call it a day and just, and Trump has tweeted as much, it's over now, it's done, it's no collusion, no investigations needed, report over to the Congress and then Congress decides whether they want to go ahead and impeach Trump, which would basically remove him from office. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, Robert Mueller spends two years doing this investigation and within 48 hours, a Trump Department of Justice has declared innocence. I suppose what's kind of insane about it all is the fact that it's kind of on a much, much grander scale. Very similar to a lot of cases we've seen over the past couple of years, which have really just highlighted that pretty much with everything, you are innocent until proven guilty. And because no one could prove Trump to be definitively guilty, he's technically innocent. So I'm glad that it does say in the report that he is not being exonerated from these charges or anything like that, or claims at least. Really interesting from the report was how it said that there's no conclusion on whether Trump obstructed justice. And I think that's really important to highlight. Yeah. Earlier, Laura, we are constantly trying to logic and make sense of Trump's 2016 electoral win. Constantly. We are, it is at odds with everything we know about politics and everything we would want the world to be, someone like him being elected to the biggest and most powerful political office in the world. And I think that's why we're obsessing over this collusion thing, because we're trying to justify it, we're trying to explain it. But really, the issue, like, it's obviously an issue and it's an important thing to address. But we really instead need to look at voters and, like, he didn't win because of Russia. I don't think we can deny that anymore. He won because people went out and voted for him. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is, to be honest, very very narrow-minded for people to claim that he won because of Russia, because that isn't the truth of it in any sense at all. And, like, to be honest, that was never going to be proved. Like, you have to look at that realistically. I still feel, like, in my heart of hearts, that there was some form of involvement just in terms of, like, the smear campaign against Hillary and other candidates. That's kind of what I think the involvement is, and that's the extent of it for me, as far as I know from what's happened the past three, just less than three years. Or no, three years? Sure, look, past couple of years. And I do think it's really, really, really important for people to stop trying to make excuses for the fact that just everyday people, your neighbours, your family members, were these people that voted him into office. Yeah, exactly that. And I think now, instead of Democrats relying on this, like, look, we all want Trump out in 2020. I think his chances of re-election have hugely increased after the last week. But it's still a possibility that he doesn't and he's a single term president. But what Democrats now have to move away from is this Russia angle. And instead, let's just focus on getting people to vote for the right candidates. And let's engage people who prior to 2016 felt disengaged by the Democratic Party and thus went and voted for a Republican candidate as extreme and as divisive and as frankly ridiculous as Donald Trump. Exactly. I do think a lot of people were trying to kind of have this ace up their sleeve, thinking that if this came, if the report came back and it was clear that Russia was involved, that they could use this in 2020 when the election came about. But people need to stop banking on kind of easy methods of resuscitation and instead just start educating the educating yourself as to who your candidates are. Like it's so important in any country to just go out and vote. And especially for young people, I feel like even 
I feel like we're getting so political this week but even when you look at Brexit and when you look at how many young people didn't vote and how much that affected the vote because it just it did when you look at the age demographic as to who were the people that voted to leave it's just it's so crucial to just you know exercise your democratic right So another topic that's been brewing for the last couple of weeks now has been the university scandal in America. For anyone who doesn't know, pretty much eight universities in the US have all been part of this scandal. The big ones that I can kind of name offhand would be like USC, UCLA, Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, like big, big, big universities that are noteworthy worldwide have all been a part of this bribery scandal. And a few kind of high profile people have also been kind of named in it as well there's been Lori Loughlin and there's been there's been Felicity Huffman who are kind of two big actresses who would be known particularly like in North America and their kids were um have been enrolled in some of these colleges and then it's been released recently the details that a lot of a lot of um racketeering has been been accused of particular coaches in these colleges and then there's this fella Rick Singer and he apparently is a mastermind of kind of helping get these kids into these Ivy League or high profile colleges and has earned as much as like 25 million by kind of soliciting these coaches and these and also these like fake test scores and everything to help get these children into universities and it's really crazy to be honest yeah it's crazy so it's also like not to be flipping but i also find it really funny i find it funny that like they're like there's stories about them photoshopping these rich white like sorry but it is inferred these most of these people are rich white kids and they're like photoshopping their faces onto like athletes in poses and stuff to make to like put in portfolios and then to put into the college and be like look at my child who has never played football before but look at her here and you photoshop your child onto a football player's face and like it was used and it was believed i just think it's so it's funny yeah it's like obviously it's obviously very serious but the idea of this like photoshopping happening and then them staging these photographs i think is a really fun but also hugely like sinister thing to do yeah to be honest i i when i first heard of it i laughed just because these parents and these people these adults who are helping get these like 17 18 year olds into college who are doing these things it's it's so comical because they're trying to get their kids into these ivy league and prestigious colleges under the like gauze of them being like these amazing athletes or these brainiacs because they've had their tests faked and obviously these kids are going to show up and they're not going to be these prodigies that have been sold to them so it's just god getting the raw end of the deal if you're part of the colleges aren't you yeah so basically how it would work is you would create this kind of fake profile for your child or not you but the company that you pay and they would then in turn create the profile and then bribe these sports coaches to kind of I guess just turn a blind eye to the fact that the person that they were inviting onto their sports team was nowhere or if at, at, like to be honest have any experience in that field the other way that these kids were allowed to go in was like you had people who would correct their tests after they had finished doing them so obviously like correctors and official members of the department of education that are involved and have been bribed you had people who would then have to send samples of their children's handwriting in order for the testers to then kind of recreate 
the writing to make it look like it was the child that wrote it. You obviously, there have always been times when, you know, th- this is why I struggle with this topic is because I just don't really understand. First of all, there are always ways for rich people to get, this is happening since universities began. There have always been ways for rich people to get their children into universities. You know, you make a donation, you maybe, I know, okay, you might have to make a much bigger donation than what's required here. But you make a donation, you know, you build a wing, you donate some type of like memorabilia or something like there are always ways to gain favor. A lot of the time, colleges like having famous names attached to them. So it's not like they had too much of a steep climb. The other thing is, without sounding really kind of unfair, these children do not need college. These are all wealthy, wealthy people. They come from wealthy families with famous and hugely successful parents. These people do not need college to live the life that presumably their parents want them to live. So I just don't understand what the whole idea is. Yeah, like there's, so I'll go back kind of a little bit before what you were saying there in terms of the whole donations thing. So say, for instance, another thing that's cropped up with this whole scandal is Dr. Dre has claimed that his daughter who is now enrolled in USC that his daughter made it there all by herself and didn't have any handouts and yet a few years ago he did make a 70 no yeah it was 70 a 70 million dollar donation to USC so I feel that that's kind of such a sketchy report because it really is a case of like we actually don't know in this case if it was the daughter who made it there by herself because for all we know she could be super studious or she could be very athletic and she could have gotten there on her own merits and now it's clouded over by the fact that her dad made this multi-million donation to the university so going off that part and then more into the whole kid situation what you were saying I can understand and I can agree to an extent with what you're saying that some of these kids don't need college and that they do not need to be set up um when they like you know when they live in a household where they can have pretty much anything they want there are obviously going to be times when a person needs a college education to get into a particular field like that's just undeniable but like obviously if you want to if you want to get into law if you want to get into medicine if you want to get into like kind of very knowledge-based detail-orientated jobs you're going to need to go to college not no amount of money your parent has is going to get you in otherwise but if you're just if you're just kind of just cruising along just looking for the college experience I that type of stuff makes me feel really guilty because and when I say guilty obviously I don't feel guilty but guilty for other people because then they're taking you know course spots from people who really need to be able to study at these courses so say for instance like if it's just this person who's just you know who's just skied in with all of their their riches who's just gotten in willy-nilly into this course and they're just doing it because you know they've nothing else to do for their late teens early 20s so they've decided okay I'm gonna go to college and then there's like some kid who's worked their ass off to get into the college and their parents are struggling and they're on like financial financial aid and all of these things and then they didn't get it just because this person has kind of had this easy handout that stuff really really pisses me off yeah and that's where we kind of start to ground the topic in the reality that these white I keep stressing that maybe I don't need to but these kids were taking the spots of very very deserving kids and the only reason was that their families are rich and had money now obviously 
that type of corruption has existed for pretty much since these institutes were created and will continue to probably prosper. But it's those people that we need to be talking about more. It's also hugely dissatisfying to know that there are people out there who have worked their ass off to get their scores and to do well in their exams and do all that jazz and who have missed out on a place because the courses are filled by people who play their way into them. And what I really want to kind of just think about for a moment is, so your man Rick Singer, the guy who's kind of been claimed to be the mastermind of it all in terms of getting all of these kids into various different schools and kind of being able to link the parents up with the right the right agencies to help get their kids into school or Photoshop or just do whatever. They're saying that he's earned 25 million from doing this. I'm wondering how much people have paid like per per go at this, per child to your man to look for these services. I'm kind of wondering, like if you're paying thousands or tens of thousands or whatever amount of money, Surely if you just kind of donated that yourself to the college and said that you would do some sort of like endorsement deal with the college if you're an, like an alumni of some sort, surely that would suffice in kind of making sure that your kid would get in instead of having to now be rack, like racking up these racketeering charges? Lori Lockton apparently paid $500,000 in exchange for having her two daughters designated onto the USC crew team. So basically a, a faith kind of faith themselves into sailing, basically. So that's kind of a roundabout figure, but some of the people who have been told or have been mentioned of the people involved are alleged to have spent up to six million to get their children into these colleges. It's absolutely bizarre because Wild. as you said, like that that could build a wing. It could definitely build a theatre for people to be having their lectures in any way that could be named after these big wigs and everything like that because it's obviously not just celebrities like it's, it's people who are just able, able to make millions who can clearly just hand it off no problem but it just seems insane with that kind of money either you think that you'd be able to provide your kid with a good enough education to or tutors or programs for them to be able to kind of work on their own abilities to earn their spots in these colleges or else you would just figure out a way of buying their way in that isn't illegal yeah definitely and the reality is again just to really stress the point we are robbing these spaces from deserving kids and a lot of the time some of these people who have been paid their way in aren't even interested in college specifically so basically Lori Lachlan's daughter goes by the name Olivia Jade and she's a bit of a YouTube blogger she has quite the following um, quite well known so you know when this was revealed that she basically paid her way into USC her tweets and all those old videos were brought back up and their videos literally where she talks to the camera she's like you know I don't care about school and she's like oh yeah I'm going to talk to my deans and do this and organize this and it's bizarre these kids don't even want to be in college some of the time but yet are taking the place of people who have not only tried and worked really hard but also probably need college a lot more someone like Olivia Jay does exactly and it's just that's the part that will always annoy me the most is that there are people out there both young and old who are just wanting their shot at an education that they've worked for or that their parents have worked really hard for not to say obviously that the people with all of these millions haven't worked hard of course they have to earn their money but they have a setup that people who are like working class or even just kind of like lower middle class like they have chances 
they don't have the same chances because they don't have the same money. And to be honest, when it comes to these systems and when it comes to education, money goes a long way. A long way. So I guess the question that I then want to ask you, Laura, is should these kids stay in school? Yeah, I was looking at this. So a lot of people were wondering, should the kids be punished? To be honest, I think that is such a tricky question because there are kids there that obviously actually do want their education. And to be honest, some of them could have even begged their parents to kind of be like, look, I want to go to this Ivy League school because I want an education in this particular thing. And this is school I want to go to. And I'm really scared I'm not going to be able to get there by myself. We can't we can't say that some of those kids aren't like that because it's not fair to make those assumptions. And then, of course, there's the other hand of me of people saying, well, Laura, you can't make those assumptions for those kids. You don't know them. I'm trying to find the silver lining here, people. But I don't know if the kids should be punished. I don't think personally that they should. If it comes to people like your one Olivia Jade, who are being very blatant about not wanting to be in school and... Like, if it's quite obvious that a person doesn't want to be there, well, then just get them out. But it's just, I don't think it's fair to punish all the kids in question just because we don't know their story. Yeah, I understand that. I think for me, I'm trying not to focus too much on the rich white kids and instead thinking about the other people who have been denied a place in college by someone else's richness. And while I feel plucking these people out of their college that they are obviously started at this stage and are well into their studies definitely isn't ideal and it, it seems it's like it's almost cruel I'm also kind of like if it's making space for someone who earned their spot I'm okay with it yeah I suppose so the first thing I'll say as well is that um you're kind of identifying a lot with the whole um the rich white kids and yes of course I from just from the research that we've done like a large demographic is you know rich white kids but there are rich kids you know of color as well like we can't be just marginalizing the white people as well like there's plenty of people getting caught up in this so it's more let's just identify rich kids being the problem here because they are the biggest problem in this whole situation and then the other thing for me i suppose is instead of punishing the kids i think that there needs to be a much heavier hand laid on the whole screening process because obviously these people are professionals and they've been able to get away with kind of getting all of these applications past all of these professionals um like they've obviously done such a good job but i just hope that it makes these prestigious and very well known universities kind of tighten their belts a little bit and start thinking okay right well we're not getting the candidates that we were promised we're going to have to look into this in the future and try find another method of authenticating the people who will be coming to our college. I just think for me, college and university and education in general is a system that is largely based on merits. And I think the people that are in these colleges should be there based on their skill, their talent and their brain power and other aspects, obviously with like sports scholarship and stuff, but money shouldn't be an issue and shouldn't be, a defining factor in your education, especially in a world where we're now trying to demonetize education. I think that needs to be eliminated as a defining and a, a really powerful engine towards that. And I think by removing those kids, you're sending the right message that this is not how this is going to fly. 
And if you want to go to Yale or you want to go to Georgetown or wherever you want to go, you better open your books and get going. Like. That actually is fair. And it's not something that I had addressed kind of in my thought process of the whole situation. Because say, for instance, you and I have been very fortunate in terms of we've gone to college here in Ireland. And it is at least, at least if you're an Irish citizen, it is, it's affordable. When I say affordable, obviously people will always struggle with kind of anything that reaches any sort of three figure mark, um, particularly if it's like an annual um, bill and everything, because, you know, no one has easy money lying about these days. Um, but we have been fortunate in the fact that like colleges in Ireland are pretty affordable, but particularly when you look at them in comparison to colleges in like North America, those fees are astronomical and people are paying them off for nearly 20 years after leaving college. It is criminal. So then the fact that they're again, we're going back to kind of these families and these kids who can't afford this, but to think that people are just able to just swing in and not have to worry about these fees and not have to worry about opening a book and not have to worry about performing to get into these college. It's just, it's ludicrous and it's so nonsensical and so unfair for the people who have to work their asses off every day. Yes, exactly. I think that's the real point. I think that's what you need to be focusing on. I think that's actually a really nice place to end the discussion. Without further ado, we're going to move away from politics and get back to the bread and butter of this podcast. Pop culture, that's what we're here. That's what we love. And Lil Mix were in the news this week. Okay, fill me in, Al. Why were they in the news? So basically, Lil Mix are on tour, um, performing in the United Arab Emirates and did Secret Love Song, which personally I think is a really underrated Lil Mix song. Like Jason Derulo, okay, like... eh could take or leave him but it's a really good song so they did this and in the background their big huge big like huge like 25 meter screen had the lgbtqi flag on it of course you know this is really cute and all but in dubai it's actually illegal to be gay so it's a huge political statement and it's i think really kind of cool i think so i do think it's great obviously to um to be promoting love to a community, uh, what you call it, the LGBT plus community. And I liked how after the fact, one of the, one of the little mixers, Jade, is it Jade? I feel it's Jade. Sorry, I'm not a little mixer myself. So um, do pardon me. Um, She tweeted anyway, saying how that it was really important to her to kind of show this message of pride and how their LGBT plus followers and supporters and fans should always feel that they can love whoever they love and that little mix themselves are always going to support them in that so i think that's really sweet yeah i think it's really brave of them to do it i think what's slightly shocking to me is that i've seen people on twitter kind of critique them because like on the basis that when you travel to a foreign country, you're supposed to live by their customs and stuff and feel like it was almost disrespectful to the country of Dubai to perform in front of that flag. That's what worries me. And that's why I'm like such a positive story. And yet still we have people who just, I don't know. We're trying to pick holes. Yeah. With that, what bothers me is I do 
agree with the concept of when you're in another country that you should respect the customs of the country just because you wouldn't want someone coming into your house and disrespecting you know what you live by and what you stand by however to go to another country and say that they can't make a statement of love is kind of just ridiculous to me because yes I understand that there is the whole political margin of it is illegal to be gay in in the in Dubai and everything but at the same time they weren't promoting you know they weren't promoting it's like oh yeah this song is going to turn anyone listening to this um is going to turn them into a homosexual or is going to cause them to be part of the LGBT plus community that wasn't the cause of it at all it was just a message of love that like it was plain it was simple and it was inclusive that's all it was and people are just trying to make a mountain out of a molehill and I can't stand how people have to turn something positive into a negative but here's the thing I think it's even more than that we're talking about a basic human right I agree to a certain extent about kind of matching a country's culture or like in a respectful way but I think what we're talking about here isn't I I just don't I can't get on board with it in the sense that this is a right to love whoever you want to love and I think it's kind of undeniable and to see this is what I think we do sometimes in the left like we're all liberal but we're so liberal we're not able to critique problematic ideas and problematic laws that to me that law is hugely wrong and obviously Laura you agree of so, course I agree that doesn't need to be debated of course yeah I. of course yeah so to me it's wild that people can even suggest something like oh well you know like that's in their country that's their culture no like that doesn't matter if it's their culture it's still wrong and these things we need to be challenging these things actually in fairness well not in fairness but I've always struggled with D- Dubai as a kind of even just as a location to me it has no real appeal I don't get its appeal it has lots of these archaic and kind of cruel and barbaric rules that you know marginalize minorities and I just I just don't get the appeal I don't know why the west has taken to Dubai so much and why we pump so much money through tourism into a place that to me is totally at odds with me and my moral compass and it's bizarre to me that we're willing to turn a blind eye to all these troubling things for what a bit of shopping a bit of sun a really rich uh, like a cute holiday i just i i don't know i think people need to start using their wallets more exclusively and also like you know like i don't know i don't want to call that place trash but i'm kind of like guys like there are so many other cute places that you could go and yeah and there's just so many places that people can travel to who don't criminalize the queer community that it's I've always found it really baffling I also think Dubai is one of those places that when you go to Dubai you have to post every single day and every hour on your Instagram to be like I'm in Dubai and you use the geotag and it's this it's a kind of a bit of a flex because obviously it's an expensive holiday but to me I've always just thought it was kind of slightly problematic oh definitely and I think to be honest we're kind of we're nearly blowing the lid off a different kettle of fish in terms of places that we can cancel as far as kind of going to and ignoring the difficulties that that country poses as far as like really 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 archaic laws and archaic views like we could we could that that's a whole other episode that I will happily get into 
and if anyone wants us to do so like let us know but I think if we're just going back to the little mix story itself that I completely agree with you that it's it's just it's stupid of of people to kind of to only rationalize the whole oh but it's not being respectful of their beliefs it's like okay I understand that and I do personally believe that to an extent however this law it it just it shouldn't exist and when they were looking in and when I was looking into it and it was saying that if you were going to be charged for being a homosexual that the punishment is to be executed and it, they it did say in my research that they don't actually execute people so it's just it's a whole confusing system to be perfectly honest but I just wish people didn't have to just negate a message of love and if if people did actually kick up a fuss and just say like look this is wrong you can't deny people from being who they are when all they're doing is loving someone else and not harming someone in the process and it's all above board and it's all legal and people are happy from it it shouldn't be illegal it's just ridiculous for this to be an ideology and the more the people kick up about it well then the more likely it could be to change because the more conversation that there has towards positivity usually a positive outcome will ensue yeah and i'm definitely proud of the limits for doing that i'm here for musicians getting political we live in a very political world use your privilege for the betterment of the world i feel like this is something that was we kind of criticized taylor swift for doing and that she never came out during 2016 to you know say that she voted for whoever and there was all the speculation that she must have voted for donald trump and that she subsequently only recently clarified that stance but you know use that power that you've been given for people who don't have that power I completely agree. I just think it's so important, particularly for young adults, you know, in their 20s to exercise the right to use their platform to help educate people. I feel like we're talking about education every time we like every time we promote something in the episode. But I'm just I'm so for people becoming more forward thinking or just expanding their minds and educating themselves about about just these sort of issues and just kind of to think that just because a story flashes up in your timeline it's like oh little mix do this actually you know if you hear about it or if someone wants to talk about it just open your mind a little bit because a lot of the time there's a good kind of you know eye-opening reason behind why people are just using these stories and it's not always clickbait yeah exactly so well done little mix well done good women yourself Okay, so Alex had what I think is a very cute idea this week because obviously, like, I don't want to go as far as to say it was a slow news week, but basically I kind of argued that I didn't want us to turn into a documentary review channel, which is what was going to happen because Alex had proposed that we discuss a certain documentary and I was like, oh, well, that do we want three in a row? So instead of us kind of having a proper segment about a documentary or about something that when there is a week where we're having a slower news week we're going to do recommendation hour and that obviously isn't going to be an hour it's just going to be a recommendation segment yeah exactly it's not going to be every week but we think it's a really cool way for us to engage with you and maybe you'll get to know us a little bit better and then we can engage in a dialogue and like what you liked about what we recommended or what you didn't like and, you know, we're here for our audience interaction. I said audience, it sounds weird, but we're going to run with it. So yeah, Laura, what is your recommendation for this week? Okay, so I'm going to start with music this week. 
so it's not that new i'd say the album is two weeks old no longer at this stage how much how long ago i'm gonna say it's it's nearly a month old now however i am loving wasteland baby by hosier i think that man can do no wrong and gonna make a huge claim here and say that he is one of the best musicians that ireland has ever produced wow i know i love the fact that he he i feel that he he like mixes genres really well in terms of giving kind of classic rock and then also this kind of blues kind of inspired riffing on oh, i love it so much and his voice is spectacular so for me wasteland baby is an absolute at the moment i'm gonna give it a 9.5 out of 10 oh wow that's really high I know, but it's so good. It's so, so, so good. His vocals are incredible. The guitar is brilliant. The harmonies were there for them. His backing singers are gorgeous. Like, I love, love, love their voices. I, at the moment, cannot find fault with the album. There's maybe, like, one or two songs that haven't gripped me yet. Like, they haven't sank the hooks into me yet. But I haven't written them off. And I tend to write songs off when it comes to an album I'll be like eh, gonna give a skip on that one but no I'm I'm happily listening to it all well, that's a good sign that's a good sign of a good album exactly and I'm staying hopeful that for next year there will be a Grammy nomination for him because I really think like this man works his socks off and I find that his music is honestly top notch so if you haven't been a Hosier fan before I think just give this album a shot. Like even listen to the EP that he released there last year. It's it's just he's got he's got a musicality to him that I find that no one else's age has. I find that he kind of is going reverting back a little bit to kind of the blues and jazz of oh even maybe not jazz but the bluesy tones of like twentieth century. And then he's mixing it in with the kind of later twentieth century rock anthems. And he just he has a really good sense of how to put a song together. Okay, interesting. I think I, I will listen. I haven't listened. I have to be. I'll be honest, but I'm a fan of his voice. I don't really like male bo- voices as a general rule, but he does have a very distinct and powerful voice, and it's definitely his best feature. Yes, completely agree. And I was fortunate enough to see him live there last year, and one of my favorite things is when a singer can transcend their like recording voice his voice like his vocals live are so much better than what you hear from what's been recorded and what you what's what's recorded is pretty phenomenal to be perfectly honest and i think there's a really good evolution from the first album into the second album you're not hearing the same thing that tends to happen i feel with irish artists sometimes that they get a little bit stuck in a rush and i feel that he's done really well and that his i think five-year break or whatever break he took to get this album out i think it was worth the wait so al do you have any music recommendations for us this week are, are you going to talk about this documentary that i wouldn't allow in the episode what's your recommendation for the week it's not actually i instead went with a musical recommendation as well which you know as we record this might be a little bit short-sighted of us but we love music music is one of our passions so i mean we're gonna run with it i'm recommending Maggie Rogers to everyone. I love this woman. So, Laura, we've talked about Maggie before privately. You're not so much of a fan, but let me just tell you guys, Laura's wrong. She's amazing. And I would love y'all to listen to her. She released her album. It's called In the Past Life. 
and it's obviously available on all your like major streaming platforms not jazz and i just would oh it's just amazing you probably would might recognize her from a couple of years ago she basically went to um music college and this music college had pharrell williams come in and teach a kind of master class to their music class and each student got to play him one song and obviously it goes through it's all on youtube you can look it up if you want and it goes through and he's kind of like yeah you guys are cool cool, cool blah 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 Maggie gets up, plays him one song, and he like is kind of like moved to tears. He like looks really emotional. He's really into it. Says that he's never heard music made the way that she's making music, and it's just a really special moment. And this is her first album, her major label debut, and it's really good and it's really nice. And just to keep this nice and short and sweet, "Overnight" is the best song on there. If you just want to listen to one song, that's the song I would recommend. And I think you know, don't just like totally disregard it listen to it two or three times and then it'll just absolutely sink its claws into you and you'll be hooked it's so good first thing i want to address really quick if you could see my face in studio at the moment at being told that i'm wrong it would be a picture but so i find that myself and alex kind of have this funny little parallel where you're not big into male singing voices and i'm not actually big into female ones i don't know what it is so i can definitely identify she is a really good artist it's just her voice, it just, it doesn't grip me. And it's just not my favourite. And I feel I could easily get there if I try. And so I will give Overnight a listen, for at least for the benefit of the doubt. But I don't, I can't promise that I'm going to come back next week and be like, look, I've been revolutionised. Maggie is the bee's knees. However, a lot of people have told me that I'd love her. So I feel I need to give her a better shot. I think you should. And we can discuss it on next week's episode. Same with all you guys listening. Listen to our recommendations. DM us. Tell us what you think about it. Hit us up on Twitter. Laura, you are the one with the Twitter handle. I can never remember. Yikes. ITTO podcast. You need to get that tattooed on your skin, Alex. Remember us. Yeah, I need to remember our own account. So yeah, hit us up on that and let us know what you think. And we might just do a quick little, you know, revisit next week. Just to see, you know, what the general consensus is. Okay, guys, that is pretty much us, I think, for the episode now. I think that we've discussed enough. I hope that you enjoyed us adding in our little recommendations corner this week. And I know I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. We didn't we didn't put up the episode on a Friday. We had technical issues. But you're going to see us on Friday, every Friday, from now on. We're going to get over the glitch system and there's going to be no stopping us. So thank you for listening. We'll see you this Friday. We'll see you next Friday and just enjoy your week.